Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Motocross Training Podcast. Joel Youngkins here today, and today we're going to talk about some performance tips for you. So it's been a minute since I've done an episode. We're kind of, uh, I think we're like 50 episodes deep at this moment. Cover a lot of topics, and um, also just been busy, just haven't really made time to really do any deep dives on any topics, So, uh, but I have a lot of thoughts. Um, so a lot of them are just kind of these little short little thoughts that I have and, you know, can share. Some of them are probably things I've said before, and I'm probably just maybe saying them a different way or just maybe kind of using them as reminders. Some are going to be probably, you know, some new ideas and um, maybe, maybe things you haven't heard if you haven't listened to all the episodes. But this little series, we're just going to call them performance tips. I might do a few of them. I might This might be the only one. I don't really know at the moment, but today we're doing one called some performance tips. And I got three little um, tips I'm going to share with you. We'll go in a little bit of depth, but we're going to kind of knock this episode out pretty quick and uh, get you off and running. Remember, I'm not a podcaster, so we don't have a bunch of advertisements and a bunch of filler talk and things like that. We just kind of cut right to the chase. Um, I'm a coach that does podcasting. So, you know, that's why they're short. They're These are meant to just give you some some value and get you off and running so you can get back to training and enjoying your life and not listen to a three hour show about me talking about training with a bunch of advertisements. So that's my style. Um, that's what we're doing here. And, uh, yeah, let's start with the, the first tip that I have for you, the first performance tip. And this one is going to be strength training over conditioning. Yes, I know a little, um, just coming coming at you pretty fast here with this one um so hear me out i only say this because um you know i'm not into like choosing one or the other um i think every part of training is good i think you should do do everything to prepare yourself um but my point is is that you know a lot of racers spend a lot of time and a lot more time doing conditioning work than they probably need to so assuming your conditioning is good, meaning like you don't get tired or winded during a race, like you, if you crash, your heart rate recovers really well. If aerobic capacity is not holding you back from doing better, then at this point, like doing more cardio, whether it's running, biking, rowing, whatever, um, isn't going to make you any faster. Um, it's not a limiting factor. If if you need to ride faster to get winded, then, you know, you need to get faster at this point. Um, so extra conditioning will not improve performance if you don't need it. Um, but yet a lot of racers just keep going on long cycles. They keep running, they keep doing more and more cardio. Um, look, if you just ride, um, one that's sports specific, um, which we're going to get into here in a second, but just riding and, and even strength training, um, has a potential to make you faster, not doing extra conditioning. Um, and again, this is only if you're a competitive racer and, you know, conditioning is not holding you back and you're riding a lot during the week. You don't have to keep doing more and more conditioning. Do enough to maintain your conditioning once it's at a good point. From there, once you're maintaining it, like work on other things 
And then once you improve your speed or you're operating at a higher level on race day because practice is right, uh, you're getting stronger so that you can kind of push through um, different braking bumps and things like that and hold better, better riding form. Once that happens to where your rest of your game starts to elevate and then you start feeling your heart rate starting to chase, then go back and do some more aerobic development work to catch up to the new level of performance you're operating at. Um, you know, there's a lot of riders that don't even train, but this, because they, they ride a lot, um, it gets them in good enough shape to ride. And I'm not telling you to just go ride and don't do performance training, but, um, you know, you don't need to be a cyclist or a marathon runner to think you have to just, uh, to race on the weekend. Um, so yeah. so my point is basically is if you had to choose one or the other, it's better to, if you have two days a week, you race on the weekends, you ride once or twice a week, and you only have two hours during the week, say an hour on Tuesday and an hour on Thursday to hit the gym. Um, I would f- primarily focus on just strength training because you're riding during the weekend, you're racing, you're doing the sport, you're riding at least once or twice a week. There's your conditioning right there that's actually specific to the sport. Um, so to sit there and then do two more hours doing um, aerobic development work really makes no sense. Like work on another area that will help bring up your skills. Um, so yeah, on that one, you know, at this point I had another post on, um, the new, I created a Instagram account for, um, the motocross training podcast. It's all just an account just dedicated to information that we talk here and kind of get a little bit more like an Instagram mode with that stuff. And, you know, I did a post on strength training and it was very close to, you know, this same thought here. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh man, everyone's just probably thinking I'm some meathead because, you know, I used to play football and had a little bit of a powerlifting career there for a while. And, uh, I do see the benefits to strength training. Um, it's not a bias thing. It's just, I see it with athletes. I see it with all my clients. Um, so yeah, and I'm not just, it's not an emotional decision. It's just, it's, um, it's a coaching decision of why I choose that. And I know that kind of ruffles a lot of feathers because of a lot of people's backgrounds that do race and train in the industry. So to some of you, it might be a little off the cusp and, you know, especially for some, maybe like some old school people, but it's reality. And the sooner we all just kind of allow that strength training is going to be a part of preparation for racing, the sooner everybody can be safer and, ultimately ride better too. Uh, point number two, uh, stretching isn't doing what you think. Um, stretching does not really do a good job at preventing injuries. It's very low. And again, not to sound super biased, but to be real with you, it's proven in research that strength training is going to help, uh, prevent injuries way more than stretching will. Um, you know, as far as if you look up the literature and, and kind of see a lot of the research, it's, there's really not a lot to say stretching is going to help your prevent or your, uh, prevent any kind of injuries from, from competition. Um, and, and then the next part, like, you know, when you're on the bike and you're looking at the range of motion you need to be in to ride a dirt bike, you don't need, like, it's not very, it's, it's, it's a very limited sport. You don't have to be in these crazy extreme positions. Um, you know, the hips, the unlocking of your hips, um, you know, that, <clears throat> that saying that has gone around from, uh, Ryan Hughes, honestly, that's just athletic position. That's nothing 
new. Every other sport, you know, it's nothing far. It's just on, it's hinging at your hips. And um, if you look at any other sport, like that's the same position we put all our athletes in to tell them to play. Nothing's really groundbreaking there. And that's really the extent of your range of motion. Um, I would say like if you're in deep ruts and you got to lift your leg up from your hip to get your foot like when your bike's lower and you're trying to keep your foot up out of like the, the dirt, that's a more extreme range of motion than being in from athletic position or attack position. Um, you know, if you have really tight hamstrings, you probably have weak hamstrings. So if you were to mobilize your hamstrings and, and strengthen your hamstrings, that will help you in attack position. If you feel like your butt's tucking underneath you, um, but stretching alone, isn't going to fix that. Um, maybe a little bit, but you know, it's not, you know, that's like, um, this is going to help a little bit. Not like it's, nothing crazy is going to happen. Um, but yeah, you don't have to really become like some sort of like yoga master and be the super mobile person to ride a dirt bike. You know, there's a ton of people I know personally that have really limited shoulder mobility and they could barely lift their shoulder, like their arm, their hand up over their arm and they're kind of in bad shape, but as long as they can get their hand on the, the handlebar, they can ride a dirt bike just fine. So, um, not saying stretching isn't bad, not saying it's going to do anything. I'm actually getting into that in a second here. But, you know, um, you just kind of need basic mobility and flexibility to help with, like, to help if you crash. Like, so, yeah, it's not a good idea if you have, like, fro frozen shoulders or your hips are super tight. Um, you know, those are kind of different issues. Those are movement issues, but... Um, if, as long as you have like just a general basic flexibility, you're going to be okay. And that's kind of all you really need in the sport. Um, and in fact, if you're like super mobile, it's actually probably going to hurt you because at this point, like when you're really mobile, a lot of your joints, um, you know, you tend to be more of like lax, have lax joints. So like your joints are a little looser. So like, say if your shoulders like super mobile and this happens, this might be in your case too, if you've had a couple, um, shoulder uh, dislocations, you probably have like a hypermobile joint. So the same thing is that like, if you're super flexible, um, you know, it's like, you're more prone to like having your joints pop out of place and, and actually hurt you and going in these like, really extreme range of motions. Um, really the same concept, not as dramatic if you like popped your shoulder in and out of place a bunch of times and your ligaments are all loose, but it's, it tends to lead in the same direction. Um, so a balance between stability, mobility, and then some decent just flexibility is really all you need. Um, stretching is more is more beneficial though to relaxing the muscle tone, because um, if you think of your nervous system, your nervous system sends impulses to all of your muscles, and the more like basically, for lack of better terms, the more stressed your muscle is, or the more blood that's through it, the more it's going to have. Actually, we're not talking about the blood at the moment, but the more stress you have or the more work the muscle is, um, it's going to have more of like a nerve impulse being shot to the muscle. Um, and stretching will actually help re like relax the muscle. So that's like help, like it basically helps turn off like that nerves, that nerve impulse that's being sent to the muscle. That's why they recommend like don't stretch out and then go lift something really heavy. You won't be as strong and powerful. If you're familiar with any of that research, that's where it comes from. Um, but you know, doing some light stretching after a workout or on your off days, you know, five, 10 minutes that can actually help you possibly shift you into some more parasympathetic dominance, 
which just means you're shifting your body more in a recovery state versus a fight or flight state, which would be sympathetic dominance. Um, so, you know, as far as like stretching and the impact on that, it's that research just kind of seems like it's a little, little all over the place, but it tends to, you know, we can kind of tend to believe or think that, Hey, you know, five to 10 minutes of just some light stretching may help shift you there a little easier. Probably has a lot of other factors, um, that are going to be in place to really determine that. But I think it's a great idea. I think it's simple. It works or it's simple and hopefully it works, you know, to at least a small degree. If it helps a small degree and it just takes, you know, even a couple minutes to five minutes. Hey, it's, um, you know, doing some light stretching can help in your recovery aspect. So that's usually where I use stretching. I don't really use it as much to think of it as a way of injury prevention or, or things like that. And in all actuality, again, not to go back to strength training, but this kind of this popped up on me too. If you're performing strength training in all full range of motion, um, you're actually creating the full range of motion that you need from a mechanical standpoint and strengthening that range of motion the whole way through um, the lengthening and, and shortening phase of that muscle. So... Um, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone versus stretching. You're just basically lengthening the muscle out with, um, you know, not really doing much else to it than just turning the muscle um, signals off. Okay, so let's move on to the last one. This one's going to be more built on my last performance tip and, and thought for today is going to be more built around on the track practice. And and I know I'm not a riding coach and, and I don't ever coach people to hit a turn or how to jump a triple or hit whoops or anything like that. Uh, but I do understand practice structure. I do understand uh, speed concepts and a lot of other parameters that go into sport practice and, you know, even specific, more specifically um, sport practice for racing. So, um, you know, my general thoughts with these, this concept goes is, and again, this is, this is sort of like a, a thought process right now versus like any strict methods that I'm going to give you. But, you know, when you practice, you want to think practice for speed. So you want to build your maximal outputs to automatically raise your operational outputs. So what the heck does, like, what does that mean? So maximal output is basically that's as fast as you can go on a dirt bike. That is your sprint speed. That's like, hey, you have a one lap sprint. How fast can you go? That's your maximal output. If you improve that, you will automatically increase your operational output, which would basically be your race speed. So if you're, let's just say we're doing 30 minute motos, you know, you're a motocrosser, you do 30 minute motos um, for outdoors. You'll have a sprint speed that you can lay down and practice when the track's smooth and you lay it down and, and that's your fastest lap of the day. But all of your other lap times, and it may just be like a second or two off, that's your operational output. That's the pace you can just run all the time. So why is that important? Well, if you're in a certain race, like, like I always think of James Stewart. James Stewart's maximal output was the, you know, we can kind of argue that it was probably the highest we've ever seen it to a degree. So if he was riding around slow, like say if he's at, let's just say 90%, um, you know, that might have been fifth, fifth place 100%. So if he's racing in fifth place and he's only at 90%, 
and he's battling with a guy who's giving it 100%, he's riding the same speed with giving less effort. So that's really why it's important. Um, you know, it's the same reason why, you know, maybe you're a B rider and, and you work your butt off and, you know, you're in the gym all the time and, and this and that. And then this A rider who shows up and he's smoking cigarettes before the race and, you know, he doesn't train, probably was drinking some beers the night before and he goes out and smokes you. Well, he just has a higher level of like maximal output. Like he, yeah, he's probably not in good physical shape as you. But just because his maximal outputs like higher than yours, he's going to beat you every time as long as he could just last because he doesn't have to try as hard. So that's why training, like you want to practice for speed. Um, sounds obvious, but a lot of people don't do this when I watch like practicing and, and things like that. They don't actually train for speed. Um, so what are some things to do to like train for speed? Like how's, how are you going to get faster? Uh, stop doing sprints. Here's the first one. Stop doing your sprint work after your long motos like everybody does sprint work after they're tired when you do your sprint work during the week you need to be fresh and you need to be doing it on a smoother track hopefully a smoother track if you have the option and before you're tired like to actually like to actually train at maximal outputs you have to be able to hit maximal outputs if you're run down and you're at 85 percent at the end of the day and you're like let's go do sprints now you're just training at 85 percent you need to be training at least 90% or, or higher to hit the maximal outputs and actually have like a, a training effect for that. Um, again, you know, work on technique for speed. Um, you know, this is getting quite popular in the past couple of years. It seems like, I mean, I know it's always been popular, but um, it seems to be more uh, trendy on social media and with different riding coaches really talking about speed and, and kind of critiquing even a lot of the pros, their speed. So, um, I think it's really great. Um, so obviously better techniques going to automatically increase your speed. Um, in theory, it should at least. And then this one, the last point, this one's kind of interesting. You know, for me at least, I think it's kind of funny. But there's a lot of racers who are on the bubble. Um, and this really happens, seems to be a lot like in um, – the pro motocross, you know, especially here in, in America where we have time qualifying as, is your practice. Uh, there's a lot of racers who are so worried about doing 30 minute motos, um, which in my opinion, it shouldn't really be a, if you're training, right. Uh, 30 minute motos shouldn't be that daunting to you, but they just keep doing 30 minute motos instead of like building their speed. Like who cares if you can do thirties, if you're not fast enough to get there, so build your speed up first. And um, and really, I think this trickles down to everybody. Like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a performance coach, a physical performance coach. But, you know, if you can't get to if – you, if you don't have the speed to, like, to do anything on the track, then who cares really about your performance? Like, if you're going really slow, yeah, I could ride all day too if I'm going slow. But for however long race – the race you have, you want to do the race as fast as you can. Um, that's the whole point. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, it's going to be it for today. This episode went a little bit longer than I anticipated. Um, kind of got off track, but, uh, actually we didn't get off track. We stayed on track, just kind of dove in a little deeper than the original plan. And, um, yeah, if you like these uh, performance tips, I'll keep doing them. And, um, if you have any ideas, you want to cover more topics, uh, you know, I'm always 
up for that. And uh, yeah, just looking to keep this um, this podcast going and keep finding different ways and to keep bringing you value. Also, don't forget, I do have the um, the Instagram account now. I'm going to be probably trying to be you know active on that on a weekly basis as well and um, building up that account. Um, and you know, always for for more information, just check out my website jytraining.com. Uh, my podcasts are all on there. You can listen to them, obviously, Apple or Spotify. And um, yeah, catch you in the next one. Later. <laughs>